0: We are doing something we've never done before. We're on a remote. We're doing our first remote thing. Brother Fred, welcome to On the Dock.
1: I'm really happy to be here.
0: I haven't done all my intro, but I wanted to just tell you, that we're, we're in our first remote. It's in my elder brother in the Lord. He, he really led me back to Christ. I'm in his office uh, today, and we are blessed by that. So this is Fred's son's office at Christ Church, and we are doing our first remote on the dock. So Lucas has us all set up, and we're ready to go. On the Dock drops every Tuesday and Thursday. You can go to onthedock.org and find our podcast. It's very exciting. I'll give you good news here in a minute. We're all about, our credo is conversations that are propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. So if everybody's looking on the TV, take a look at those nice chairs. We're in two chairs like that today. We're sitting on the dock here, and we're just going to propel you out. Lucas, bring that picture up one more time that, that see we're gonna we're in these seats but we want you to go out that pass where that sun is and there's good water there's a lighthouse on the left to guide you home god will always guide you so we hope what we say today with brother fred and myself we, we will inspire you to get up and get out we want to encourage you so we're available on the dock is available at google play facebook roku rumble sermon that those are our side gigs but we are big platforms we want you to go find us on youtube spotify and apple itunes we have uh, facebook uh, we have social media uh, per, uh, presence on facebook Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and getter want to tell you good news here. If you are on Spotify, Lucas, which one of those is Spotify? Is it the green one? No, no. iTunes. iTunes is the purple one, right? The purple calendar one, iTunes. Uh, this is, this is Apple. Okay. Fred, I want you to know this. Um, we are, I got email notification from Apple. This is the day of your life. You, you have been waiting for this moment. I got notified that we are one of the top podcast. It's, Don't get too excited. But we're one of the top podcasts in Thailand. In Thailand. We are the 179th most popular podcast in Thailand, particularly among Christian genre. Now realizing in Thailand, only 1% of the population is Christian, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of Christians in Chiang Mai and different people. But we, I'm like, we are like, for those who don't know David Hasselhoff, he was on a Knight Rider and Baywatch, great, great guy in the seventies and eighties. Everybody loved that car. It could go fast, you know, and all that oh, stuff yes. and Baywatch, you have to watch him run in slow motion on the beach. It was terrible. And, and Hasselhoff was popular here, but he was a heartthrob in Europe. He was, in in Japan, he's a cult following, people Hmm. scream. And he, up until even like 10 years ago, he was having concerts, he began singing. None of us knew he could sing, he can't sing. They use a lot of auto tune, but he sells out stadiums like he was Aerosmith over there. He's the heartthrob of Japan, the heartthrob of the European David Hasselhoff. I just want you to know on the dock, Pastor Troy is the heartthrob the Hasselhoff of wow, Thailand. Wow! Our, our churches in Thailand have put us out so much. They listen to us and share us with their Christian friends that we've sure. got more we're more popular there than ever. So that's on Apple, Apple iTunes. So please check out Apple, YouTube, Spotify. Help us become the Hasselhoff of other places. Yeah, you like that. Like, I like that, it that, a lot. That's a shameless plug. That's a shameless plug. Uh, please, when you find us, hit subscribe, like, notify. That's how you get to be the hassle off. You 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 say you like us, you subscribe, notify, and their algorithms see people are talking about uh, On The Dock. So help us do that by talking about On The Dock. I tried to see my screen. We're in a different side. And we're also on Patreon. If you want to be a partner or sponsor, you can check us out at my Patreon and find out more about our how to support our show and be a part of it, be a sponsor. And you can always find us at onthedock.org. You can email us at info at onthedocorg. O- and find out more. I am in studio. Let me go to this one. I got Lucas with me in studio. He's behind camera today. Do you have a microphone? No, I don't. No microphone. He'll have to shout out his questions today. Lucas is our executive uh, director. He's our techno wizard. Thank you, Lucas, for coming up and setting our remote up. You've got, of course, your, your wonderful host, myself, without Mother Beth today, so I'm not near as good looking without her but she didn't want to get up this early (laughs) even for you fred she wouldn't come this early yeah so we're on the dock we're gonna have a great show for you let me tell you a little bit about the show uh we're gonna be we've been doing this series it's incredible but the spirit of what we're doing here comes out of the concept of the parable of the talents brother fred Uh, matthew 25 14 through 30 uh the parable of talents says these words uh especially in 21 and 23. he says his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things, I will make you rule over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. So that was kind of, I was reading that one day and I said, I really would like to do a show with people that are living life well done. Uh, that would really encourage our people that are watching and listening to hear stories of lives that need to be recorded, but also to find inspiration points of things that they've learned that would help us not have to reinvent the wheel in our yes, own life definitely. and can move us on. Now, I, I thought about doing this, and but then, I was watching a commercial and I know you don't watch what TV, but I happened to be watching TV that day. And this man here, I'm gonna put his face up. Maybe you know who this man is. Maybe you don't. Do you know who this man is? Nope. You don't know. You don't know who this man is. This is the most interesting man in the world. Wow. Yes. This is the man of the beer. I don't know who he is. He's just the, They do the commercial. I've seen yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. If you don't drink, I'm the most interesting man in the world and you, if you're the most interesting man, and I drink Dos occasionally. Mm. And so they always have these shots at him and he's the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. So I had read this scripture that day and, and this is how God worked that day. I saw that commercial I thought, well, the heck with that, I don't wanna sell beer, but what I'd like to do is find God's most interesting men in the world. That's his most interesting women in the world. And I'd like to share those with other people so they could see what they drank. What they did and how they did it. So, I hate to tell you, I used a beer commercial to be influenced uh, on how Matthew would speak to me that day. And and that's just a reality. Sometimes God uses a donkey. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. (laughs) He does. does. And, and, you know, after all, I am the half of Thailand. So when you're the Hoffa tile, oh, of course, yeah, yeah you got to step out of the box sometimes. So our show is entitled "Here It Is." Well done, lives lived well. Now n- nobody we've interviewed their lives are done, but but these people have, have lived significant periods of their lives. We 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 you're in our fourth person in the series we did my grandpa Don on his 100th birthday wow 100 years served in the war great story we did him and, and all these interviews have been in two parts so you part four will be two parts part one was two parts, and in part two we did Myron Myron is just let me see if I can put their pictures up because because I I think I would help you probably with Myron uh, okay of course my grandpa my grandpa's picture I think I see if I got it is it up now they go, that's my grandpa. That's his phases through different years. That's him as a young boy, him in the military, him teaching about 20 years ago and him at a hundred.
1: Wow. Isn't that great? That so so we just got else. to
0: hear a centurion, you know? Yeah. And, oh, wow. and yeah, Myron is, Philkins has traveled all around the world with NGL. He spent a lot of time in Israel. He is a man of God, a prayer warrior. He is not doing well today with breathing today. He's really struggling, but 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 he's been faithful at our church and nobody has a heart for God like Myron. And Myron's got some incredible, he told some incredible stories. And then we have these incredible friends of mine that came in from, Evelyn Jones, she's a prayer warrior in our area, just a saint across the, she's been running the Global Day of Prayer for years and every initiative. And and, and she is just, she's been running a women's group for over 50 years wow. that's meeting. And most of those women now are in their 90 pluses. Wow. And, and <laughs> there's a whole, and they started meeting 50 years ago and they're still meeting. in, They were meeting in our church yesterday for over <laughs> 50 years. I have to go down there for like 90th to 100th birthdays all the time to eat cake with them. And she has lived such a powerful life. And then Jerry Barnett's the prayer warrior for our church. She's actually godmother to Josh, and she has just been a saint in her life, so we got with her. And so we have been talking to different people, and we're looking to get uh, a woman by the name of Sandra Colombo. I was telling Fred about it. Sandra is a Italian-American, settled in here, and she is a, a World War II survivor and her family helped hide uh, Jews from Nazi Germany.
1: Unbelievable.
0: So we're going to get her in. So these are people that have lived life well, but but of all the people that we've talked to, I know Jerry really well, but I, I have been around the world and, and I consider uh, the one we've got in the studio to do this, Fred Bishop, well, my father and the Lord. I mean, I'm closer to you than my own dad, so, and I'm not insulting my dad, my dad just was always busy and gone, and I got to travel. I, I travel more with you than I ever did with him. I, I mean, have,
1: every year we went to Mardi Gras. Every together. year we
0: Mardi Gras overseas. Yes, you know, uh, Honduras, Honduras. Yes. I mean, conventions. We went a lot of places. So for, for, I think nobody could be more interesting to talk to uh, in this than, than you. So I'm excited. We're just going to relax and talk. Let me say, Fred's a, uh, he, he His his ministry is called No Greater Love. Uh, it's in a different phase now. I mean, he drove it himself. When when did you start No Greater Love? 1975. 1975. And he's been taking men, putting the gospel in the hands of faithful men his entire life. And now his ministry's moved into a network. He has inspired leaders beyond this level. And now he's coaching these leaders and they are doing No Greater Love type events uh, at different camps and different bases, but all of them doing it together and through kind of a conversation. How would you explain it today?
1: Well, when he said, put the gospel hand to faithful men, I heard it years ago from a guy named John Osteen. And he says, have a sane and a sensible ministry. So as long as we stay with the basics, just lifting up Jesus Christ. As long as we say the basics, it doesn't make any difference how many camps or how many people we have, as long as we're focused on Jesus Christ because there's power in unity. And he says, how sweet it is when brothers dwell together in unity. To me, that's no greater love.
0: So you basically, I worked with Fred these years, as we saw, went from one camp to two, three, four camps, and each of these camps developed a little bit of its own ethos. Mm-hmm and out of that came core leaders that you've been speaking into for your lives. Those were kind of uh, gifted to them as inheritances, kind of different level, different people leading different areas. And, and from that, that network now meets together, uh, connives together and plans together, and yes. they are continuing the work of putting the gospel in the hands of the next generation of men. that's right And Fred now really has become a grandpa and a great grandpa a lot of times. Yes. And so now you're a coach more, uh, I mean, the ministry is still living. You're living vivaciously through people that are reproducing the principles God has shown you. That's,
1: That's very true. true.
0: Yeah. So you can find out more. There's stuff there on the screen about No Greater Love. You can find out how to still travel with them, connect with one of the groups. We'd love you to do that. And we've done shows on uh, a little bit more on that back early in our podcast time. So, uh, those of you who don't know, Fred is my spiritual father in the Lord. Uh, meaning I got a picture up, one of my uh, probably one of my top three pictures, other than my wedding picture and a kids picture of my kids, is this picture with Fred in the middle, me on the on the fat guy, and then his son Shane, who's my elder brother in the Lord. I I I came from Memphis, moved to southern Illinois, uh started going to uh the hearing community. Shane was the associate pastor, assistant pastor at the church, and he invited me to play softball. Mm-hmm. And it's through the softball. We both played baseball right. in college. It's through that connection that I found Christ and really engaged it. I had an experience when I was younger, but it, it, it reconnected me to a 14 year old camp experience. And it just led to everything. It led to me being in ministry. Melissa, his wife, uh, she introduced me to her lifelong best friend. Growing Mm -hmm. up was my wife now, which is Beth. So his wife connived and got me on a blind date. Mm -hmm. I'm now married with four kids, two grandchildren, (laughs) you know, because of them, you know. I I began traveling immediately with Shane to events with you. My first event was a Halloween event when I was greener than a (laughs) board.
1: Oh man, I still remember you being there. Oh. Uh, the, Troy's loud, and so he keeps hollering at these people, and the people kept getting closer and closer. They were up and, on me, and finally, Troy said, "What am I supposed to do?" And a guy from Nebraska named Ron Schernica says, "Get a net! They're getting ready to crawl in the boat." <laughs>
0: so we went out. And start. I just went out and to administer to him. I thought we got them all here. What yep. do you do with them? You know, mm-hmm. you got to start. Start cleaning them, yes, right. so it was a great experience. And I have traveled so many times, so many places. But this picture is on Mount Nebo, it is. True. We're on an Israel trip, uh, we're sitting where Moses would have stood and looked to the promised land. That's exactly uh, and, and what a privilege to be there and have that photo, uh, with you and Shane. And uh, that there's another good picture of us a few years ago at one of the galas. So every time I've turned around, every time I've stepped out of ministry, uh, Fred's been a Uh, Papa Timmy, I I showed this when we did another show with him, this is vintage NGL, this is pre my days, this is when Shane had hair, and and, and they had the silver jackets, I have one of those still in my closet, an old bus, and there's just a lot of men that have been with you through the ages. How'd you Uh, like those hats? I love the the foamer. (laughs) That hat's in again. Oh, you're kidding. The trucker hat is in right now. (laughs) Lucas, did you know the trucker hats in? Yeah. You got a foamer, yeah, yeah. The foamers are in. We we would oh, if we had oh, just no. kept those. Yes, we gave we gave them away because nobody wanted them. Yeah. And I, whether it's been Fred teaching someplace or leading men to carry the cross through the streets of New Orleans or whatever, or or him, this was an honor of my life a few few years ago. Uh, like yeah, this was an honor of my life. I had it, it was a weird deal where I wish Daniel Vopel was here, but but. The lady in the front sitting is Margie Margie Granger. She's from Thailand. She is one of my elders over my churches in Thailand that I'd planted. Uh, behind me to the left, the, my, my brother of a different color back there is my brother in the Lord. We're like brothers. Mm. Is Pei Cooper Mundlo? He's my uh, Hands of Hope Foundation national director for Liberia. And later off tell you about God's moving there right now and something. I uh, then you see Shane. You see Fred. You see Beth, my wife, and me there. And you can see all that as a result of Fred's ministry and connection with me. Mm. Uh, and Shane, you know, you've known Beth. Way longer than me. A long, yes. And she's like a daughter, dude. Well, you? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, she's they, they grew up farming next to each other. Fred's farm, family farmed, best family farmed into coins. So it just, to have people from Asia that I've gotten to lead, to have Africa there. Beautiful. At the same time, I called Shane and said, can we have lunch? He he drugged uh, Shane, and i would never dreamed I would have all that together for one shot. I loved it. Isn't it good? It was one of the best meals I've ever had. So I loved it. And, and Fred may never get to go to Asia with me, but you get a chance to see the result of it. Yes, I do. And Africa, just amazing. Uh, and, and the Africa thing is getting hot again. Uh, so, yeah, good Yeah, 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 it's crazy. So <clears throat> so, I just wanted to give people a little bit of connection to our deal. And I just wanted to find out, Fred, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? What, what did you do when you grow up? What were your family into?
1: Grew up on the farm and um i hated farming um. We milk cows, which means you can never have a vacation. No vacation.
0: Beth told me that she yep.
1: never got a you vacation, never have a vacation. And so I used to see people driving by on out on the highway and I didn't know where they were going, but I wished I was one of them <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. want to go where they to go. Yes. And then when, then when I got saved, I was in a youth group, you know, in a little Methodist youth group and our leader, he had just got saved. And so he, he told us, you gotta know the Bible. That's yeah. the best thing. He says, you're going to have to go to to go to a party, which, you know, we always wanted to meet the girls. Right. He said, first time, you got to meet the, the first psalm. To this day, I still repeat it often. Then another time, he said, you got to learn the 23rd psalm because the Lord has to be not just your Savior. He's got to be your shepherd. And so then he says, now, you gotta know what to live by. So he says, you're gonna have to learn the Apostles' Creed. Now, because of knowing those, when you get situated into the Bible, which is what my youth leader did, that, that starts the journey. Mm-hmm. And that just made all the difference. So even though you're living on the farm, you're dreaming because after all, you're out in the fields and everything by yourself, but you got these scriptures and you got these hymns and all of a sudden I'm dreaming of places far away that uh-huh. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to going. Wow.
0: I, I, when we, Beth and I in the last, you know, before Harold died about 10 years for that, when he started living with us, we took him to the beach. He had never seen the ocean. Yeah, I remember. To be a farmer at that age and to look at the ocean and and because all those years of of cattle and pig farming, he just couldn't couldn't go. So so work ethic was ingrained in you.
1: Yes, it was.
0: (laughs) Force fed, I guess, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. You can't get past that. No. You can't get past the fact that that's and, and you know you look at what you've done and you, I always do look back and go, man, I went through some hard things. But then when you look really look back at it, you wouldn't change a thing. No. You know, I, I remember when we went to uh, La Entrada to start the church there. We were there, we had worked for a year, from the time we left the first time in Honduras with you, and you said La Entrada, I went back home, told Beth, we spent the next year raising 30,000, getting our family ready to go do Beautiful. it, working through relationships. We got there to do the trip and spent a couple of weeks getting things set up. Um, we went to get ready to do the crusade in La Entrada, put out the, 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 the flyers, met with people, did everything, got the stadium ready, got things set up. And that we had propaganda cars going around telling them, you know, come oh, out tonight. Beautiful. So the night we get, we're back at the hotel that day, getting ready to, to, to go out for the crusade that night. And it starts pouring down rain. <laughs> I mean, cats, dogs, everything <laughs> were raining and, and, and I'm, the one thing I checked was there had been no rain. There'd been no rain for over like, like almost five weeks. Six weeks. It's been a severe drought, and we like that because when you're going to have an outdoor crusade, you kind of like it to stay dry. You don't want your equipment yeah, wet. You don't want yeah. to rain out. <clears throat> so it was pouring. I mean, buckets, buckets, Fred, buckets of rain, and and I thought thirty thousand dollars a year of work. Lord, you're going to get me. To, I was so angry at God. I was like, yeah. God, what have you done? We're going to be washed out. I looked at Beth and, and the taxi, uh, our driver had come, Carlos had come and said, well, we're ready to take you to the stadium. I said, well, there's nothing to do. It's pouring down, right? He said, oh no. He said, the people are running in. He, he says, you've been talking about miracles. You are the miracle. <laughs> there's been a drought and Jesus has come hey, to La Entrada. He says, the stadium's getting full. Ooh. It, I couldn't have got anybody to come out here in the no, United States, no, people you know. that have gone home said, "Oh, it's raining. I'm not no. coming out, you know, it's sprinkling, you know, sprinkling <laughs> you know, it's one degree over 75. We're not coming. It's hot. Yeah. You know, we get there. and People are flooding in. They I want know. to see this God that has done this That's miracle. True. and and and. But by the end of the night, we, we, we saw this guy get healed dramatically before everybody. We saw the crusade happen. We saw nothing but wheelchairs and crutches left at the end of the night. It changed our whole family. We built a church there that God has been good there. I got to the end of the night. I I remember going over by a pole and just crying to God and saying, God, I had no idea how you would use this. And I am so sorry. I had worked Beth and I had worked so hard to get there and do that. And I was humiliated thinking, had I known I'd have worked twice as hard Mm -hmm. and I hadn't been lazy. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. So sometimes we look back at our lives and we go, man, I worked so hard. That was so difficult, but look what I've done it.
1: Yeah. I've I would worked harder when I, yes. w- when,
0: when I, when I, when I, just for me, from my standpoint, and I, I write Shane regularly and tell him this, but when I see that picture of these guys, I want you to know, and I want Shane to know number one, I wouldn't have my family if it wasn't for you guys. I wouldn't have met Melissa and I wouldn't have met Beth and I wouldn't have my kids. But more than that, I would never know Reverend Mundalo. I would never know Margie Granger or Daniel Voppel or the Pat. I wouldn't have 26 Pat. I wouldn't have a principal to give them had I not learned them through you and your ministry. Mm -hmm. So all that time you didn't get to go out to the beach, God was teaching you a work ethic that you couldn't get past. And, you know, I don't think you can get past. Your identity. Sometimes God puts you through. Joseph had to go through some stuff. So I always think I would have done more. And you, you, you can never really see that till you get past it. You know what I mean? That's right. What? Tell, tell me. How, how did you get out of Sunfield? What, what got you away from the farm? Okay.
1: I got out of high school. What every every boy does. He goes out and gets a job. Coal mine. Yep. And I hate coal mining. <laughs> You're in trouble. Yes. And so, uh, and ours is a total coal mining area. So therefore, uh, I went up to Chicago, went up there and I started working. And then I went over to Alton, worked in a steel mill. And uh, and and I loved it because the harder you work, the more you got paid. And I thought, hey, I grew <laughs> up. I grew up with that. I saw a guy pick up something and set it down. He said, "It's too heavy." I said, "No, it's not. You just pick it up on
0: the farm. You picked it up." Yeah. And he so, was like, "I need three more guys. I got to get. We got to yeah, take yes. take time. We got to get a plan and a little union time. A little break here. We'll <laughs> yes. To,
1: yeah. So so the work ethic <laughs> that I had on the farm, it worked out great in the steel mill. It worked out great in all those you, places. On the
0: farm, you milked a cow to get money on, in. in, in in the, in the union job, you milk time to get a job. You milk.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, so, you, so you enjoyed that work. You saw it as good.
1: Yes. And then when I, when I uh, then they got laid off and so on. And then the thing that made the difference was my dad died. Oh, man. And so, uh, you know, to me, dad was the toughest, strongest, meanest guy that I ever knew. Did that
0: drive you back to the farm?
1: And so yeah, I went back home and, uh, and, and got there and found out he was already dead and so on. And on my way back from there, uh, My car broke down, and I prayed and said, God, I don't know how to fix anything, but if you'll help me, I will not leave the next place till I hear from you. So I opened the hood, and one of the spark plug wires is off. (laughs) I "I can handle that. So we get to the next place, and I had a vision, and I saw a dream. I saw that, like, like sunbeams coming down, and one of them was my wife, one of them was my pastor, one of them was my youth director. And all of a sudden, I heard, heard God saying, this is what you need to do. You need to be a sunbeam to others. And I thought, shucks, I'm dumber than a toad, you know? Because the Bible, in the Methodist church as a kid, all you had was the responsive reading. That's it? You never learn any scripture, mm-hmm. turn to page number, so-and-so. It's a responsive reading. Right. So I go off to college and at the University of Illinois, and, and uh, golly, uh, I, was, I was going with the girls Catholic, and so I took the instructions to get in the Catholic Church. So I go in there, and all of a sudden, I, I thought, boy, I don't believe that, and so I could go <laughs> meet with the priest. And I said, do you think you're going to purgatory? And he said, just long enough to say hi to all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then he said, you gotta raise your children in the church. And I thought, hey, if I believed it, I'd be Catholic. If I don't believe it, i am not raise them in your church or anybody else's. That's right. And so then when I left college then, all of a sudden I knew that uh, I was not going to be Catholic, but I, I was grounded in the word because of my youth leader. That's great. And so then I thought, well, then I need to go off. So when I had the vision of going off to school then, I go to school in Buffalo, and my teachers loved the Bible. And so, which is what I grew up with. So I love them. Then I went off to a, a Carson Newman College, in Tennessee, and I got down there and they said, Moses didn't write this. And, you know, and, and Elijah didn't write. Sounds that. like thought, my
0: seminary. sounds like every university. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I thought, you know, why in the world would I want to blow step? up all your Sunday school Jesus? Yes. Yeah. Blow them up. Yeah. And so I decided, <laughs>
1: I'll think I'll major in psychology. And that has turned out to be a tremendous blessing yeah. because in our ministry, I'd, I've done psychological things, every event on every person, what do you want to do, what keeping you from it, what, you know. Hidden scene, a lot of I've that stuff. I've done all that. Up, yeah. And it's yeah. been, so the psychology has been, then when I got to seminary in Fort Worth, these were all men of God Do you that remember loved when we the did
0: the lion and the retriever and the, we had oh, the four, yes. see those are great. A lot of people know that's just a basic Th- th- those got other languages in psychology, so I—that's le- when I learned I was a lion, and my wife is a golden retriever, yes. and we get along well. We—it's we, kind of weird. Thirty-three years later, you—you you learn each other's tactics. Yes, you do. My my wife can growl now. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, she's she's, she's, like, she's a yeah, golden retriever. Yeah, yeah, and I've learned to heal. <laughs> you, you know, over the yes. years. Yeah, and there was a beaver, and there was a—I'm trying to think what there was—is there's, there's lion, uh, retriever, beaver, otter? No. No,
1: I see. In in my day, we had uh, let's see, we had a driver. And then we had analytical, right. driver, and then the golden retriever. And and so uh and and if you get them crossways, it oh, no a
0: mess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yes. I think I think it was I don't know if it was an otter, like like Heather's an otter, she loves to play at her work. Okay. Her work's gotta be fun. You know, and then you get somebody that's like an accountant, their beaver. You need yes. a beaver around, you need you need you need an administrator. You got you need have I got I got you know, Tracy, you know, you need that person in your life. You, you but you need also somebody to go with you, the retriever that's loyal and faithful That's you know? right. And you need a so, lot. So I learned they're all there you can be people orientated uh, uh, you can be people you can be task orientated mm-hmm. you can be there, there's different things so you've been, I've learned so much of that through you over the years that um, that you you use a scripture. Let me see if I get that scripture up here. I, I think I guess that comes out of your training here, but you've used for a year this Proverbs eighteen sixteen that a man's gift makes room for him. Room for him. So none of the quadrants are wrong. They're just who you are. That's right. You just need to learn your strengths and your weaknesses and, and appropriately.
1: And whatever I'm not, not like Dave Munson. When I met him, uh, he he's all analytical. Yeah, well, absolutely. I've got to have somebody that puts things together. You need I've that got, person. Yeah, I've got vision, but I don't know how in the world to get it from here to there. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. so so I'm an exhorter, and I'm and I I got vision and all that, but I need I need the golden retriever to come with me. And you
0: need some otters to have some fun along the way. Yes, you do. You if do. They're not but, having fun. Well, and they yeah. they lift the room and they make the yes, room sure feel do. better. You you don't want them to get too distracted with the stuff, but you need a few otters. You, you just need one or two beavers because they can kill joy a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. but but you need them. You you've need the right ones. Or or if you got more than. One or two, stick them in one room. Put one in charge. Say, so come out with one, one, one decision. That's what you used to. You put them all on that bus. I do. You yep. put them all on that bus, and they would crank out something. I love mm. that. So that. I learned that's how I learned to manage beavers in my church. If I got three or four of them, I put them in one group and say, "Y'all, y'all work it out. Let me know what you've decided." That's good. And then, you know, that that, that they'll get their own pecking order, just like lions will get their pecking order, retrievers will get their pecking order. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff we've learned. To, so your psychology wasn't a derailment; it was no, a refinement. It, it was keep a keep going.
1: Place. So then, when I got to seminary, now you got your 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 theology. Now, you know, but but to have but. Attitudes are more important than facts. If you don't love people, so what about what, what the facts are? I love that. You know, Jesus, and he says, we must be willing to what? Not have everything right, but be willing to lay down our lives for each other and let each esteem the other more highly than yourself. If they're not happy, you didn't do a good job. No, I totally so agree So our, our leaders, I tell them, said, if every person does not come back holding tightly the right of God, it, and passing out tracts, sharing Jesus Christ and so on. If they don't come back doing that, you're you're not gonna have a job. Because you've next not year.
0: transferred the information, you've not it transferred the, the anointing or the mission or That's vision of that it. ministry, yeah. And yeah. we start out with
1: Psalm 133. The anointing of God comes down. So in September, I always believe God for the vision for the next year. Mm-hmm. And then when I Call out and then I call to the leaders of each camp praying that God will transfer that leadership to them. And then the leadership, the anointing needs to carry right on down so that when they come home from Mardi Gras from an event, the people that are brand new are coming home excited because they're holding tightly the rod of God, not you, them.
0: I saw, I've, I have taught on Psalm 133 because of this so much, it, it, it talks about the dew coming off yes. Hermon and down the beard of Aaron mm-hmm. and to the collars, say the leadership, yes, down right. to the skirts, which are the people and out to, and out, out to the people. To and if you think about it, the rain comes off Herman, goes down the, forms the Jordan, goes down and feeds the valley. Right. And in due season, it's evaporated back up into the sky and it recycles. Mm-hmm. There's a process. There is a and process. I always tell people, and I, I did this as a sermon years ago, I used Josh's Years ago, when he was a kid, I I, I told people. People that the anointing at the top should be the water at the top that forms Jordan is the same water the same at the bottom. Oil. And it's, and I, I poured oil on had Josh over a, a, a thing. And, and I said, when they would anoint with a horn in the Bible, they would pour that oil and the oil went down him and all that. Mm-hmm. It went down his skirts, hit the bottom. And I said, the key is, is that this oil at the bottom is of the same viscosity, the same, the same viscosity. content as the oil at the top. And that's what a lot of us get wrong or what we, what fails is it gets contaminated, it gets distracted, mm-hmm. it gets off track. Track. What's been great about No Greater Love is seeing that the the vision, the anointing on top, is what gets out to the people. And what you can see is when it does it, it can go to Asia, it can go to Liberia, it can go to the uttermost ends of, of the earth. earth. And it's by maintaining continuity. It doesn't mean you don't bring your own anointing or your own vision or your own peace in, but you you honor those those traits. And I think that's been a great thing. How did you get How, how did you get on from from? You went to seminary. Where'd you go to seminary at?
1: I went to school in the Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. It was a very conservative seminary.
0: More and, than your Bible college in
1: Buffalo? <laughs> My Bible college in, in, in Buffalo, New York, was very conservative. Then, then the, the Carson Newman in Tennessee, the Baptist Seminary, it was very liberal. But then when I got to seminary out in Fort Worth, they, was, they, were, they were very good and solid. And they were very, so, they were uh, very solid. Yes. Now, they were solid. However, when I got out and went to a church, now, you mean, I mean, so what? what? How are you going to produce this stuff? Right. And so I got out to the church and found out the drug kids, uh, they said, your leaders can't even quit smoking. How are they going to tell us how to give up drugs? You, and then yeah. my major's in psychology, and so a couple called me, and they says, uh, we'd like to have you to, to counsel us. And, I, and my wife says, where are you going? I said, I, I have to go counsel a married couple. She <laughs> said, if you knew anything, you could practice it here. That's right. Now, to this day, that couple, of course, got a divorce that I canceled. Yeah, work <laughs> yes. well. And after all these years, can you believe I moved back to the very town where that woman is? And oh, she, no. And she follows me almost every day on Facebook. Oh, no. Yeah. So then I said, Lord, I mean, I don't have enough part to get out of a paper bag. So I studied about David Wilkerson, but his theology was a little different. Then I studied about Pat Boone. Theirs was less likely to believe than mine. And so then I, was, I went down to see another Baptist preacher and said, Brother, I don't have enough power to get out of a paper bag. You know, it's just (laughs) us four and no more. And so I said, uh, I'm thinking about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, I think that's a bunch of baloney. Then he says, by the way, Freddie says my wife's fixing to leave me. And I thought, boy, we are really good, aren't we? (laughs) So I left there in Ava, Illinois, going back to 127. And I cried out and said, Jesus, you said that John baptizes water. I know what baptism means, I'm a Baptist. Okay, and so no sprinkling. And so I said, uh, John baptized with water, but you baptized me with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Burn away everything that doesn't look I like you, it. and I pray for your power to come down. Now, Troy, right, boy. <laughs> let hear it. Yes, okay. When it. it did, it came down, and I had a funnel like on top of my head, and it was like it was just pouring in like oil. And then uh, I, Jesus was there, and I sat on his lap, and I said, I'm not a good pastor. Yeah. And, I, and he said, I know. And i said i'm not a good husband and he says i know i said i'm not a good father he said i know and he held me jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so oh. and he did that and and okay now i'm from the country which means if you work on the farm your fingernails you will not chew your fingernails no, no not if you've been milking cows no and so anyway even my fingernails were clean I was so clean. I got back on a Wednesday night, and I mean, I told them all, and so I... I prayed and says, he said, the spirit will come on you and, and you'll be able to speak in tongues. So I t- went, so I did this thing in speaking in tongues. I get back in there and everything and on Wednesday night, <laughs> I laid it all out, baby. You laid it all out. So Shane told one time, he said, dad, he said, I've got a secret, but I can't tell you because you won't keep it. I said, of course I won't keep it. My favorite verse is shout for the mountaintops. You bet your boots. Yeah, yeah. So I laid it all out and everything and boy, just you know, cause all kinds of trouble. But the drug kids now, I could go out and tell them that Jesus Christ loves you. I'm not talking about the church and I'm not talking about the deacons. I'm talking about He will save you, He right. will set you free. So we started praying. And all these. You had a movement
0: going. Yeah, we you had, had a people,
1: yeah. Okay, now, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was Phil Major Kurth. He's from Pingneyville. It was his, uh, I looked on the b- b- obituaries and he died. Phil Major Kurth, I took all these drug kids and I took them down to uh, a Giant City Park. You know where Devil's Stand Table is? Yeah. Okay. So I took them out to the but they were all on drugs. Okay. Phil go right on out into the other. And I thought, golly, I, they're going to claim I killed them all.
0: <laughs> I didn't, I, I, I was in a meeting a few, a few months ago, a couple months ago with our men of faith at community faith church where I pastor and, and Jerry Johnson shared about being a, a youth in some of your meetings in those days mm-hmm. and said it changed his life. He said God was moving he was when moving. God, he said there was such a tide coming up that it it scared the the deacon, the, the, the older guard got so scared, they, they put water on it.
1: They and did.
0: we have seen that we were just, him and I were talking about how people will rise up against you to knock down the movement of God. But mm-hmm. people were crying out to God, it was releasing people. And it was like, there's a, a counter movement. So as you see God moving and changing people, what are you feeling coming? The, I wish that we could just get everybody when the, when the waves come and you just think everybody ought to get a surfboard and let's surf. But there mm-hmm. seems like there's people that want to surf and there's people that want to kill the surf. So as you saw God move, did you, did you see the enemy move against you? Oh yes. Hey
1: son, it was a Baptist church, which means, which means every month you're going to vote. Okay. Every Which month Which
0: means every month they tried to kick me out. Is it bad if they have a meeting and, and you're not at the meeting and you didn't know about it? Oh, oh they think had to or yeah. I, I come by and think, hey, I didn't know we are meeting
1: tonight. <laughs> I but now what happens is I got all these drug kids. And, yeah. so, and so I would rent a bus and take them to anywhere. I've heard they're having a revival but, and we go over and they'd holler, hey, right on, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so these kids, they were hungry. Yeah. But now here's what happened. What the devil does, he overplays his hand. In fact, Mark Major, that's kind of touchy. But the guy that died yesterday, his brother, Mark Major Kurth, uh, he died of a drug overdose. Three guys in Pinckneyville in less than about 20 years old, three guys died of drugs, oh, which right. means then at the high school, um, one guy, he, um, he I think he pushed his girl out of the thing and killed her. And so I went over to the funeral over in Willisville, and the preacher said, "Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land." She didn't. There she is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you want to talk about kicking a good harness nest? That so I go to the high school now. Okay, I go to the high school, and I walk in, and everything, and uh, and the guidance counselor Rose Wilson said, um, "Oh, you're the answer to my prayers." I go, "Hey, because." this girl had committed suicide or whatever. Now they need somebody to talk to to talk to the kids because everybody wants to commit suicide. So I thought I did. I got me a room where they had a window like there into the study hall Mm -hmm. and I could call people in and I found out who all the pushers were. I'd call each of the pushers in and I'd have them facing me and I'd be facing the people. So they're the only ones I could get see the expressions. Oh we had a tremendous revival. (laughs) Then uh, we had a, at, at the first Baptist Pinkneyville on the youth movement, we had 1,100 kids. This is just in Pinckneyville. Wow. We had 1,100 kids. And listen, you can't sit in, in, you can't sit on the floor until the pews are full. That's right. Because back then we all want to be on the floor. Right. You know, we're just crying out to right. God. Yeah. And so when you start seeing these drug kids change, then <laughs> now they come to the church. Well, no there'd be some of the establishment yeah. and the establishment would say hey you don't want to join here you need to go down there and a little say, shaky looking yeah and says Long we, hair. We, don't, we don't have any we don't have any robes or anything here they got robes down at the first baptist church <laughs> and then they says, well you can't do it because they're oneness and I says hey if they're coming to Jesus and they're going to follow him, then they'd better quit, quit asking questions and come on in. That's right. And so we let them, led them to Christ. And then <laughs> when the establishment then coming to all the board meetings, that never came to church. Okay. But, they, all of a sudden they're popular oh, all church. Of a sudden, yeah, I love brother. it
0: when they just come to the board meeting. Yeah. I've seen that
1: many times. And the one that was ruling all of them, Ruth, uh, when, when it come to a vote on something, all, all these people that have never been there, they'd look around at her to see how they ought to vote. But now here's what happens. We, you're, you're a majority rule in the Baptist church. Right. I led more people to Christ than they had,
0: yeah, which right. means
1: they could never outvote me. No, you I have... will leave because God said to you, but I'll never leave because you're Amen. pushing.
0: Amen. I remember one of my first meetings, one of my first family meetings, about two years in the Community of Faith Church. They, they, were, they were still fighting over stuff before I got there, and I was just trying to say, I'm, we're putting death nail to this. And we had this big meeting about it. And all... There were all these people I'd never seen ever yeah. in the life of the church there. And I remember one guy caused a lot of problems, former school teacher, I won't name his name specifically, but uh, he he said, I got a question, Pastor. And I, I said, first of all, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd been there two and a half years. I'd met with every family that was attending, every family I'd met with privately. And he said, well, I'm so-and-so, and I said, do you come here? He says, well, I'm on the roll. I said, mm. and he, he had already kind of posed his question when I interrupted him and said, who are you asking this question? And I said, well, we'll move on to the next question. Yes. We're going to, we're going to hear from somebody that goes, that here. goes
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. And then there'd be a time that said, well, well, you know, it's like Easter or whatever. Anyway, says, well, let's vote on whether or not to have church on Wednesday night. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. We'll vote all right. But if you say let's have church, you better be here. You better be here. That's right. You better hang me out on Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now now to do that, and then then I got that scripture, and he says when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he says he will give you the power. And then Ezekiel 47. I love it. Yes. He says, then he said, you've got it. Then start going out. You got to go out? Yes. So I went around Pinkneyville and I passed out tracks in, in different bars and things. And this one woman really was after my hide, and it says, "Hey, I says, uh, "I've been trying to help your two boys." And boy, she wilted. Then wow. then I, got, I had an old van, and I'd head toward Carbondale, and I had two guys with me, so one on each seat. And if there's a hitchhiker, whoever he gets in next to, he's yours. You get to and witness to it. The other two. I've done that then, with then you. Then I got down to there and thought, golly, if God can handle Carbondale. Then they had a political convention in Miami. The Democrats thought, so, well, we'll go try them. Then they had a Republican one and everything. And I got down there, and uh, and all of a sudden I looked up, and they were burning down the flags. Well, it wasn't my flag. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm, And so anyway, they were pushing us all in with with clubs and everything. And so the, the next thing you know, I think, hey, this is a tough place, you know? Yeah. So we began just to work with radicals. And when I found out that God would work with the worst of the worst, then why go hang out with the people that can't wait for lunch on Sunday? That's for so sure. So I was about through
0: pastoring. Yeah, What's interesting with, with, with you, Fred, is everything, the reason he, you're on here is because what you say is you live. I've traveled with you in the early, many times the Honduras, other places, when we were doing convention stuff, and you you jump in a taxi with Fred, you're in a third world country, you've just memorized the stuff you've been told to memorize so you can talk basic, basic plan of salvation, that you've learned yep. the basics. You know, you can ask somebody the big question, you can share the four spiritual laws, you you can you can do basic stuff. So you've done all the stuff that you've prepared somebody to go out of the country, or, or in the country, if you're doing in the country, and you get in a taxi cab with Fred, and Fred says, well, you're up. Yep. What does that mean? You're gonna witness to the taxi cab driver while we drive from point A to point B. So a taxi cab ride is an opportunity it to is. speak to somebody about Christ, whether you're in New York or mm-hmm. whether you're in, whether even you're in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan or wherever. So one of the things that by doing that for the years with me, when I traveled with you, was it got to be when I went to Asia, when I went to Africa, it, you can talk to anybody about Christ. Of course you can. And yeah, and you begin to care about them. And actually, I can't tell you how many cab drivers, like even in Africa, early on, when I go to Africa, I'd get somebody to drive me. And by taking interest in them, they'd give me my card and they'd say, well, call me anytime you need me. And over the last, you know, 20 years when I've had problems in Africa, I've got numbers for these guys. They have come and got me. Uh, I've I've, gotten to drive other doctors around. Mm -hmm. I have built relationships just through the cab drivers. If I didn't have all my contacts there, my cab drivers that I have on my Rolodex could get me around. And I learned that by taking interest in their lives through you. That's crazy. But you can win a country with the cab drivers.
1: Of course you can. And in the hospital nurses,
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yes. Now, what I do, it, it, I go to a country, say I went to Honduras, and I got down there, and I fell in love with Honduras. Golly. And I come home, and I start telling all the stories. Then, if some people like the stories, then now we're going to have a group of guys here to go to Honduras. But now, we all have to learn the four spiritual laws. God loves you. You sinned. Jesus died for you.
0: and You, you must be, receive him. Now, everybody has to learn it. John 316, Romans 323, Romans 5, 8, Acts three nineteen got re, re, it and see, then revelation 12, 320, 320. 320
1: now yeah. and the thing of it is that i love about men uh we're going to learn these scriptures and we're going to learn a little song now <laughs> here's what i like this is this how to work with men because that's my calling uh when we get down there uh you don't who knows the least whether you're going to be first
0: yeah absolutely the reason why you
1: got to be first because if i'd saw it and i it, know the most you will push back you yeah you push back yeah so it'll make men study like nothing ever has
0: I mean, I mean, I I took French in high school. I haven't been in Honduras since 2007, hmm. when we went for the Seeds of Faith trip, but I can still say, si usted hubiera este seguro que en cielo." cielo.
1: Amen. Because
0: he, he, it was ingrained in ingrained. you. By, they gave you a tape to listen to it, and you. And I just said, if you were to die this moment, do you have the assurance that you'd go to heaven? uh la Can I tell you how to go to heaven? Yes. So I don't know a lot, but I know enough to take interest, and I understand now enough, That I can tell what the guy's talking about, and I could even pray with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, basic stuff. Now, here's the deal. It's easy in Honduras because you know you're going to get on a plane never see him again. Mm -hmm. So you can embarrass yourself. It's like putting a clown costume on. Yes. You know, that you use clown mystery. But it works, though, when you go to Thailand. It works when you go to Asia. uh, Anywhere. You can break relationships anywhere. I've done it. Around the globe, this stuff's completely transferable.
1: See the four spiritual laws on "God loves you and you sin." Uh, in German, didn't go that so leap, John three sixteen in Spanish, mundo." One sweet, but that German thing. <laughs> but now, when you come back from that communist festival, and and then you start telling them that God helped you to overcome all of it, and and you came back alive, then people listen because. This is what you can do in God that you can never do on your own. And if you're willing to get beyond yourself, if you've got any kind of dream uh, that you want to get off the farm and
0: quit milking cows, come with me. I love it. I'm, I love it. I've enjoyed this first part of this interview. Uh, you you want to just move on to part two? Time's All good. right. Well, this is part one's been great on lives well done. And uh, it's just been incredible to hear Fred. We're going to get Fred. We've got Fred uh, basically to his first churches. We, we've, we're hearing about the Jesus revolution going on in the Pinckneyville area. And, and when we come back in part two, we're going to dig in and see how he gets to ground zero where, where no greater love is more out of and, and a lot more happens. So uh, just thank you for 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 joining us for this part.